For over 50 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition, pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green provides you with the kind of personalized help and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on us for knowledge, experience, product selection, customer service, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Welcome to the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. We're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Lake and I try to bring you a wide variety of really good information all about you and your health. And this is a reminder that the show is streamed through myvillagegreen.com. It's also available via iTunes, and you go into Essentials of Healthy Living on iTunes, and you can hear all the shows you want to hear. This is a reminder also that Village Green is your resource for questions about your health and the website and the store on Cedar Lane. Uh, They have expert advice on supplements, and they carry superior line of supplements from many manufacturers, including their own Pathway products. I also want to interest you in contacting IQUHealth.com through Village Green, and this is the resource for evaluation of your unique biochemistry via lab findings, genomics, and your lifestyle habits and exposures. That's IQUHealth.com. Com. Now, we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., so tune in next week for more information on healthy living. Now, today, it's an honor to introduce our guest, Guy Daniels. He's Director of Medical Education of Longevity Health with Thorn Research. Now, our subject is understanding the gut microbiome's role in health and disease. I want to tell you a little bit about what Guy does uh, Longevity works together with Thorn to design clinically studied supplements, including the pre and probiotics for Thorn's customers based on the customer's integrated metabolic profile. So welcome to the show, Guy. Well, thanks for having me. Yes. Talk a little bit more about Longevity, uh, how it got started, and all of all of the background and what you find as far as success with patient care using longevity. Sure. So um, this whole concept of, you know, the microbiome is uh, a relatively you know new conversation uh, in the general public space and, and really even in the medical offices as well. Um, it goes back, you know, quite a ways, but really in the past, let's just say 20 years, um, we've been gathering, from a scientific standpoint, uh, a lot more data to identify uh, the little critters that are down there in our guts and in precisely what they do. Um, so, so really right now, you know, longevity, we are at the tip of the spear um, in regards to this research and improving people's lives. Um, you know, there are a few companies doing this, but they're all doing it a little bit differently, and uh, we feel we're doing it the best way. Uh, in that, A, we offer up the technology, which is the gold standard in analyzing the microbiome, which is shotgun metagenomics. Um, we do offer up a comprehensive questionnaire, which is uh, fully integrated into the recommendations, along with the microbiome findings themselves. 
and uh, and then the recommendations are partly dietary, but really primarily the big driver are the supplements and primarily in the form of prebiotics. Um, now in version 1.0, uh, you know it's where we're at con- you know we're continually learning and evolving and, and um, you know along the way. And so for now, version 2.0, which will be coming out in the next couple of months, uh, there'll be more of a focus on prebiotics. And it'll be Thorn products, but it'll actually also be non-Thorn products as well because, you know, Thorn's a fantastic company, but we don't make everything. And we need to have a wealth of primarily prebiotics to drive changes in the gut. Absolutely. Um, talk about this modeling and what it means, the genome metabolic modeling, what that is and how, how you use it. Sure. So what we're doing is we're looking at the DNA uh, of the sample. Now, the, you know, the non-sexy aspect of this is it is a fecal sample, uh, which you can do in an easy at-home test kit and then send off to our, our facility does the analysis. Uh, and so what it's doing, like I said, is looking at the DNA. And so in that, it's all DNA, really. So we can identify bacterial DNA, human DNA, fungal DNA, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, we, we can even tell you what you had for dinner the night before. So, um, but the most important part really, the part we really focus on is the bacterial DNA and um, what that tells us. So not only can we identify, um, you know, which bugs are down there, but we can also identify their genetic potential. So, for example, they make thousands of enzymes between the entire microbiome. And uh, so we can tell the predominance of one enzyme versus another. So let's just take short-chain fatty acids, uh, which is a really crucial player in the health of the microbiome in the gut and actually the entire body. Um, We can take a look at the entire bacterial DNA content of all the critters down there and say that there's actually a, a higher level, a medium level, or a low level of genes that can actually make butyrate or propionate or one of the short-chain fatty acids. And that's kind of an important thing uh, because, again, they are so crucial to, uh, to the health uh, of the microbiome. Yes, the short-chain fatty acids are important, uh, and they're certainly fuel for the microbiome and the mi- microbiota. Uh, tell me uh, and tell our listeners more about the short-chain fatty acids and what they do. So basically, um, you know, they're a metabolite. They're, it's, it's, uh, it's a product of uh, the bacteria just simply, uh, you know, thriving and doing their thing and basically eating. And so uh, different bacteria, um, you know, thrive on different things or they thrive on different portions of, of different, you know, what are called substrates or we'll just call them foods. And so, um, you know, because, you know, one bacteria may only possess one or two enzymes to, to kind of break something apart and eat it up. Uh, or another one might possess quite a few more than that. Um, so when they take in their foods, uh, one of the byproducts of their metabolism is they produce, you know, these short-chain fatty acids. And the the healthier bugs down there, the ones that we want more of, tend to produce the short-chain fatty acids we're talking about um, and, and in higher abundances as well. So, you know, some of your bad bugs do produce them as well. Um, but uh, you know, we're trying to feed the good bugs with the good foods. So, for example, you know, if you tend to have your typical standard American diet, and let's just say you love a lot of bacon and prime rib, um, the the bad actors in the gut, you know, tend to like those animal-based proteins and those animal-based fats, and the the higher pH or the more basic pH environment that creates, 
and then they can survive and thrive. Whereas um, they're the, the good actors down there in the gut, you know, tend to like these these different fibers from vegetable sources because they possess the enzymes to digest those guys, uh, and they make a lot of these short chain fatty acids, which then reduce the pH of the gut, which makes the good guys thrive better. And also those short-chain fatty acids actually, in the, in the colon in particular, uh, feed the cells that line the colon, uh, which has a, a huge number of benefits as well. And they also make it into circulation. So it's really a, a big picture we're looking at. And this short-chain fatty acids is one of many things that we identify in the, uh, in the report. Yes, we've come a long way in the last 20 years with regard to research and understanding um, I think we've been behind Europe. Uh, it seems to me that in Europe there was uh, a significant understanding of the importance of fermented foods and fermentation and taking probiotics, of taking antibiotics. And uh, we got on the bandwagon fairly late, uh, unfortunately. But I must say the research is so rich and it is expanding so rapidly. I want to thank you for this this good description of the short-chain fatty acids. Uh, they Let's talk a little bit more about, for instance, that some of the microbes make amino acids that are essential. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I'm not sure people understand that the gut is a rich source of nutrients for us. Sure. So, um, like I said, the microbiome in its totality um, produces thousands of different enzymes. And so, um, you know, not only can some of those bugs uh, make amino acids, uh, but they actually can make or modify neurotransmitters or they can, um, you know, they can make uh, B vitamins and other vitamins like vitamin K. So, uh, they actually do, you know, an, an enormous number of things, but and they also make other things too that aren't particularly healthful as well, like uh, you know, cresol and and um, you know, even like lactate, which you would consider generally speaking a good thing. Um, you can actually have an imbalance in lactate. Yes. So, you know, it's a known fact, for example, that high lactate levels are are you know not uh, symbolic of a of a healthy gut. And so, which brings me back to kind of the fermented foods that you mentioned. So. We're actually talking about two slightly different things there. Um, so one's the prebiotics that actually feed the bacteria, and one's the fermented foods where actually that, that process has pretty much already taken place, and then we're ingesting the, the end results of that. Um, and then, you know, probiotics is kind of, you know, something in the middle of that, right? So um, but with probiotics, which have their place and, and there's data to support their use for sure, uh, but not, the data is also a little bit on the mixed side. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, too, that, you know, to understand that we've done uh, comprehensive meta-analyses looking at multiple, multiple conditions to include, you know, autoimmune and IBS, and the list goes on, where, for example, the genus Lactobacillus actually tends to have a lot of not-so-wonderful associations with uh, these conditions. It just depends on the condition. Uh, whereas Bifidobacterium, on the other hand, is universally beneficial with the possible exception of active ulcerative colitis. So... Um, you know, if you, the, the, the whole, you know, probiotics approach has been kind of, you know, throw something against the wall and see what sticks, um, you know, and like I said, helps for some, doesn't quite help for others. And so we're just trying to fine tune that uh, by, again, identifying what's in the gut and then identifying where the deficiencies are in regards to which genera and, and, and basically all your little bugs down there. Uh, because, again, you have to realize that 
know, these probiotics or even these fermented foods are giving you just a portion of what's the totality down there. Um, the average human gut might have several hundred species or even over a thousand species. And in our probiotic, you're only going to get a handful. And so, you know, these prebiotics, they feed all the good guys that are simply not available as probiotics. There's lots of interesting Latin names that I won't even, you know, begin to try to say on, on the radio show here. Um, but these guys are not available as probiotics and probably most of them will never be available as probiotics, but we feed them through, through prebiotics. Excellent. Excellent. Um, talk a little bit more about what kind of foods tend to be prebiotics, fuel for the probiotics. All right. So we've, you know, we've heard like our whole lives. I, I think people generally know, you know, what's generally healthy and not. It's just a question of can they actually do it or not. And so we've heard our whole lives that this thing called fiber is good. And, you know, and, and typically we've always associated this thing called fiber with just gut motility. You know, it helps you go or it doesn't help you go. Um, and so, but this, this fiber, uh, the, the larger role it plays also is, is in feeding these bugs in their gut. And so, you know, something that would be devoid of fiber is like, for example, you know, your white bread products, like a whatever white bread or white pancake or white loaf of bread or something like that. These, these highly processed foods, um, you know, whereas uh, quite the opposite side, we're looking at something like, for example, you know, one of the fibers we recommend is rice bran. So it's just simply, it's the, it's the outer husk of what was brown rice, and it's just simply been, you know, powdered, uh, and it's just, just a, lot of, a lot of fiber going on there, and what it supplies are these really cool things called arabinoxylans, which, you know, doesn't mean anything to the listeners, but it's a form of prebiotic that good bugs really like, and that's their, you know, preferred fuel, and with that preferred fuel, uh, they can survive and thrive. Excellent. You give such good explanations because I know this is uh, this is complex. <laughs> There's a, a lot to talk about, and it is quite complex. So we're going to carry this conversation forward in the next segment. If you've just tuned in, folks, you're with the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Solgar Number 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar number seven says yes. Solgar number seven, available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Whole Food Multivitamins. They are the only USDA certified organic, non-GMO verified whole food multivitamins available. They're gluten-free, certified vegan, and feature a patent-pending clean tablet technology. Kind Organics is super clean, untreated, unadulterated, and real whole food. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. When it comes to taking a multivitamin, the pure encapsulations one multivitamin makes it one and done. This convenient formula provides vitamins, minerals, and other essential nutrients in a comprehensive vegetarian multivitamin for both men and women in a once-daily dose. It includes L5-MTHF, the universally metabolized form of folate, and an antioxidant complex with sustained release, CoQ10, to enhance immunity and support energy metabolism. The One Multivitamin, available at Village Green Apothecary. 
statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognosure from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognosure supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognosure is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognosure. Remember Cognosure for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. I'm Mark Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda, the most unique pharmacy in the country. You are unique, and at Village Green, we treat you this way. At Village Green, our passion is personalization and getting the root cause of health conditions. Guidance on foods, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. For over 50 years, customers have depended on advice from our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists. Visit Village Green in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome back, listeners, to the second segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, and we're having an excellent conversation with Guy Daniels, Director of Medical Education of Longevity Health, which works with Thorn Research, and our subject is understanding the gut's microbiome's role in health and disease. And so we talked about prebiotics and probiotics. Guy, could you give us more information uh, with regard to the microbiome and, and how we get it initially? I think that's important. Sure. So I, th- yeah, I think this is some powerful information that, uh, you know, people can kind of have a take-home message for. Um, so the microbiome actually starts in utero. So, for example, you know, there's studies to show that, um, you know, uh, mothers who are with child um, who experience a lot of stress will then kind of transfer a stress microbiome to the new newborn infant, uh, which leads us to, for example, step number two, which is mode of delivery. And so in the United States currently, one-third of all babies born are actually born by C-section. Um, and this is according to the CDC, which means, you know, two-thirds are born by a vaginal delivery. Uh, and, but the difference is rather large because uh, when born by C-section, um, you're missing out on that, on that initial inoculation in life uh, to bacteria in your, you know, your very immature gut. And so in a C-section, uh, studies show that the infants will actually be inoculated with skin bacteria, for example, from the mother, um, and also hospital room bacteria. Uh, and the bacteria they tend to have tend to be more antibiotic resistant. So um, it's really not a great way to be starting off, not, you know, not something that nature has intended. And um, un- unfortunately, you know, uh, roughly half of all C-sections are medically warranted, but roughly half of them are not, they're elective. So, you know, for the health of the baby starting off in life, we, we really should, you know, consider the mode of delivery. So that's kind of, you know, step one. And then we also know that there's multiple studies showing that C-section uh, delivered infants have significantly higher risks of a very, very long list of conditions, everything from asthma to, to gut issues to type uh, one, two diabetes, the list goes on, autism, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I know most people don't understand this, but uh, the, the microbiome, the bacteria that exist with us in our guts, uh, they play an enormous role 
uh, in our body's immune system, inflammation, and over, just certain, simply overall health. So, and then we continue on to the next you know, series of events, which is breastfeeding and the introduction of foreign proteins. And so with breastfeeding, um, and again, you know, not all women do this for a variety of reasons, but uh, the number three uh, solid component in breast milk, the third most prevalent solid component in breast milk, are what are called human milk oligosaccharides. Um, we cannot digest that as human beings. We don't possess the enzymes to digest those. They are purely meant to be food for the bacteria in the baby's gut. So if you think about that, you know, again, nature is telling us through feast or famine that the mother is going to go through a lot of energy to produce this thing, which is entirely not for the baby at all. It's for the bacteria in the baby's belly to feed those bacteria to mature the, the gut and help mature the immune system and the tolerance to other things. And then so when we talk about tolerance to other things, what does that mean? Well, even the American Academy of Pediatrics states that babies should be exclusively breastfed for the first six months. And so you know, these other things are foreign proteins, and they're proteins in all the foods that we eat, uh, but we feed these to our infants. And so now if you're an infant who was a C-section delivery who was not breastfed, you don't have a properly mature gut along with its immune system, and now you're feeding it these foreign proteins like, you know, gluten and, and dairy, which are your, you know, two top offending pro set of, sets of proteins and peptides. And then those go in the, this immature gut and you get a variety of problems with that. And a good, the best example I can think of is, uh, is type 1 diabetes. So if you look at uh, Finland, uh, Finland has the highest rate of dairy consumption in the world. And they also have the highest rate of type 1 diabetes. And this is type 1 diabetes, the autoimmune version, not type 2, the obesity version. Um, they have the highest rate of type 1 diabetes in the world. And again, this is this introduction of these, you know, these milk, these cow milk proteins into an immature gut. Uh, those proteins look like some of our proteins. And then this, you know, the immune system kind of goes a little haywire and starts attacking self, and those are the beta cells in the, in the pancreas, and now all of a sudden the baby can't produce enough insulin or ultimately no insulin. So I know it's a very long, complicated story, but uh, this is the stuff that sets up, uh, sets up the stage for our, our future health. I am so glad you mentioned this. I'm thinking of articles that go back uh, 40 years or more with regard to an understanding that when there was diabetes in the family, Feeding an infant dairy products would increase the risk for type 1 diabetes because of the autoimmune attack. Uh, my understanding at the time was that uh, they, the baby gets exposed to insulin from, uh, from cow milk. Usually it, we're talking about animal milks. And then makes antibodies against its own production of insulin. And it, I've had patients. I ha, I, at the time, I hadn't seen many, but I did have patients that fell into this category where all of a sudden the child develops type 1 diabetes. So I am so glad to hear you cover this. Oh, no, my pleasure. And I, I actually think it's maybe not the insulin, but it's other proteins like beta casomorphin and casein and other proteins like that where, you know, structurally they have, you know, a, a component that resembles, you know, our uh, beta cells, some, a, a component of our beta cells. And so, you know, the body just simply recognizes this in the bloodstream as a foreign intruder. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't know what it is. It just says, oh, foreign intruder, alarm, alarm, inflammation, inflammation. 
Um, but you know, then it's, then it has, becomes hard for the immune system to recognize the difference between this thing that's coming in from a foreign source. Um, and then this, this these things called beta cells in our pancreas. And so, um, and that's just one of many issues. I mean, I, we've done a total meta-analysis on the microbiome in humans for a wide variety of autoimmune conditions. And, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, there were significant differences between those with autoimmunity and those who do not have autoimmunity. And, you know, once you've analyzed a great number of studies, then, you know, certain patterns begin to reveal themselves because, you know, this science is still not an exact science. Uh, but once you've been through, you know, hundreds and hundreds and beyond that studies in humans, uh, you start to see, you know, patterns that, that reveal themselves. Yes. And it's not a surprise to me that autoimmunity is a finding that is so frequent. We're seeing it in, in younger crowds now. It used to be something that people developed with age, and that's no longer true. We see it in the under 20 and the under 12 crowd. Uh, so there's something important going on here, and, and the gut is so critical. Uh, I am remembering <laughs> that when I was young and babysat, uh, people were using uh, Physohex, which is terrible. And it was to get all the bacteria off the child and to bathe them in Physohex. And I, I just kept thinking, people, what do people do? What did people do, our ancestors, in olden times? What did they do for centuries, for millennium? I'm sure they didn't do Physohex. And I just remember questioning why we would be doing that. And, of course, that was a nightmare. Um, I don't know. You're, you might be young <laughs> and not remember uh, this push. And even now with uh, the, the hand wipes that are sterile uh, for sterile purposes, they're taking away the good microbiome. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that as far as our overuse of uh, antibacterial solutions? Yeah, sure. So um, there are actually studies that show that, for example, children who grow up on farms uh, have lower rates of asthma and so forth than, uh, you know, children who, who don't. And you know, it, it's this kind of, it's a more immune tolerance to different bacteria, but, you know, it, it's also going to go a step further than that. So, you know, I think, like, for example, I it's it's there's a, there's a balance in there, you know. Um, I mean, 100 plus years ago, people didn't physicians didn't wash their hands prior to surgery. So you know, we need a there has to be a balance in there. And and the the best example is probably that of antibiotics. So when we consider antibiotics, um, there's times when they are certainly warranted. I mean, you know, you can't argue against that. Uh, but there's also times when they're simply overused. And and multiple uh, health authorities come out constantly saying that antibiotics are overused. Now, when they come out to say antibiotics are overused, what they're talking about is actually creating these, these superbugs uh, that are resistant to all antibiotics known. Um, when, you know, someone like myself, you know, longevity, when we talk about the overuse of antibiotics, uh, we're actually talking about the effects on the gut. And so what happens is typically when, when antibiotics are overused, uh, what happens usually is the good bugs don't come back as well as the bad bugs. And so you know, as time goes on with multiple rounds and multiple hits, you know, the bad bugs kind of tend to like that that net net effect of, of multiple rounds. And, uh, for example, I'll give you a, a great example of someone where there's overuse in antibiotics. 
Um, I recently recently treated someone uh, only 21 years of age. Uh, the estimated number of antibiotic rounds were 100, Oof. and uh, which is I think we can all argue is a bit excessive. Um, and because of that, uh, she had chronic yeast infections because again, antibiotics kill off good bacteria and bad bacteria, but they don't kill off yeast. And then so she was an estimated 50 rounds of antifungals, which we really didn't work. Um, and after about four months of you know of treatment on therapy here, uh, you, you know, initially using the one jeopardy kit for the analysis, um, not only did her initial her initial reason was stabbing terrible stomach pains, which you know they went away in about two months. But the yeast infections ultimately went away in about three to four months. Um, so, again, it's the concept of you know feeding the good bugs. And again, I'm not here to say that we should never go on antibiotics. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we should be a bit more you know cautious uh, in our use of them. And you know, it's you know I've, I've heard of people getting prescribed antibiotics for you know fungal issues or for the common cold, which is a virus or you know whatever. They just they just get thrown around way too much. And they're not they're not innocuous. They do have an effect. And the effect is to is to radically change the microbiome, um, and it's actually that's actually the trigger sometimes for something like say Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Well, let's where, uh, let's you know, expand this in the next segment because I think talking about the conditions is important. So if you've just tuned in, folks, you're with the Essentials of Healthy Living on fifteen hundred AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break with more interesting information from Guy Daniels. Mega Food Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. Mega Food believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care. To deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. Mega Food, from farm to tablet, our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. Do you have unique needs that a mass market pharmacy can't meet? Village Green Apothecary can help. Maybe your doctor prescribed a special compounded formula or you have concerns about allergies or dietary supplements. Our expert team includes pharmacists, nutritionists, clinical herbalists, and naturopaths who can offer you advice on nutritional products and personalized healthy living plans. We also offer specialized lab and micronutrient testing to our customers. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Naturals is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit NordicNaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formula's Neuro Optimizer comes to the rescue. Neuro Optimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. Neuro Optimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. Neuro Optimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green apothecary. 
Hi, I'm Gail Isaacson, owner of Village Green Apothecary, where we've been specializing in meeting your unique healthcare needs for over 50 years. Our passion is helping you to get to your root cause of health conditions. At Village Green Apothecary, our expert team of pharmacists and clinical nutritionists offer guidance on diet, nutrients, and pharmaceuticals to empower you with personalized recommendations just for you. Plus, we offer lab testing and nutritional consultations to optimize your health plan. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome, listeners, to the third segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. We're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. Now, we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and you can tune in next week for more information on healthy living. Our guest today is Guy Daniels, Director of Medical Education of Longevity Health with Thorn Research, working with Thorn Research. And our subject is understanding the gut microbiome's role in health and disease. And we've covered a lot of information. And Guy, you were leading us into the conversation of conditions and the microbiome. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Sure. So uh, we ended off with, um, you know, overuse of antibiotics, and sometimes that, that's the trigger that exposes a various condition. And I mentioned, for example, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And so, you know, what you have in that scenario is a couple of conditions with, um, you know, there's a, there's a genetic connection there, although the genetic connection is not, you know, there's not exactly one gene. It's potentially one of or several of a hundred, couple hundred plus. Um, so, and there's no constant smoking gun there from the gene side of things, but that use of antibiotics can, um, expose that those genetic weaknesses. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're blessed with these terrible symptoms and the diagnosis of, of IBD, for example. So, uh, what we've done is we've done a number of meta-analyses, um, on some of the, you know, the biggest conditions that affect people across the United States and also the conditions that have the most data when it comes down to human studies because, you know, there's plenty of data out there for animal studies. Uh, but, you know, really when we're talking about the microbiome, uh, there can be significant differences uh, between animal studies and human studies. And so what we did is spent about a year plus analyzing all these uh, human studies that have been accomplished. And, for example, for something like IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, there was a lot of data for Crohn's, for ulcerative colitis, for autoimmune. Um, there's a lot of data for some things like metabolic syndrome. There's a fair bit of data as well when you look at uh, obesity, when you look at metabolic, meta, the core principles of metabolic syndrome, which is like your blood sugars and your blood lipids, uh, or even all the way down to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and, and steatohepatitis. So, and it goes beyond that. We have some for you know anxiety, depression, um, dementia, autism, and so forth. And you know some of the couple of those didn't have you know as many studies as we would like, but um, you know, time and time again that we see there are significant differences. And again, it depends on the year the study was done and it depends on the technology. And so, you know, the quality of the data may be a little bit, you know, more or less depending on things. But again, we see consistencies across these things, either across all of them or within them. And uh, we, so we basically know, you know, who these bad acting bugs are down there in the gut. And we basically know who these good acting bugs are down there in the gut. And we basically know how to feed the good guys. Um, and then when we feed the good guys, uh, they basically do battle with, you know, for, for real estate with the bad guys and then change the environment of the gut. 
Well, that's fascinating, and that's very specific. I think in in the past we've been uh, general with regard to trying to restore the microbiome, but you're doing this based on the DNA. Is that correct? Right. So we're looking at the bacterial DNA down there, and um, and, and you're exactly right. So this is you know is precision medicine, okay? And so. Yes. Um, what we're trying to do is, you know, again, identify your shortcomings. And so, you know, again, I'm not going to, you know, recite these Latin names, but there are a number of absolutely fantastic, highly beneficial bugs in our gut that do not exist as probiotics. Uh, but then, but we can feed them. We, we know from uh, also other multiple meta-analyses that we've done in regards to feeding of a wide variety of prebiotics and then which bacteria respond to those. And that gets, it, the whole, the whole, this whole process of it is entirely complex, uh, and the feeding part becomes complex too because sometimes they feed on it directly, or sometimes they feed on these things indirectly, and their little, you know, their buddies, other bacteria buddies, help them out in different ways. So, um, so we put this together to provide again precise recommendations for the individual, instead of just simply, you know, throwing one probiotic at someone and, and then trying another one and trying another one and see which one helps. Uh, because, you know, this, uh, largely this has been done by trial and error in the past. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is a much more scientific approach. Um, I have always looked at the use of biotin, especially in antibiotic use, as being helpful in preventing pathogenic overgrowth of yeast and likely some of the other bad guys. And I, you know, I find it, the little hero uh, of the gut and helping to get the gut back where it should be. I mean, it's just part of trying to feed people the right food, the good diet, and avoid the bad diet plus provide what the body needs. And you've certainly explained this very scientifically, and I'm glad we're covering it. Um, Can you talk about Good diet versus bad diet, and you mentioned the white processed breads and, and processed foods. What else do we want to bring into the discussion, please? Sure. So, um, so we'll start by just saying that every single thing that you ingest affects the microbiome, and it does it pretty quickly. So whether it's green tea, uh, whether it's um, sweeteners, these, these non-sugar sweeteners, um, whether it's a hamburger, or whether it's, um, you know, a vitamin or, or anything else, uh, everything that you ingest affects your microbiome. So the biggest, of, you know, there, there are two, you know, very large players that affect the microbiome dramatically. One, antibiotics, which we briefly touched upon, and then number two is diet. They're, they, they affect it hugely, uh, as does, you know, genes to a degree, stress to a degree, and so forth. So... Um, when it comes down to a diet, again, you know, we know that vegetables are good, uh, but we also know that actually people with an inflamed gut have a difficult time with raw fruits and some vegetables, especially raw vegetables. Yes. Uh, even though they're very helpful for the gut. We want a very diverse diet. We don't want to be eating the same three or four things every single day. Um, for example, you, you had mentioned seeing more autoimmune conditions in younger and younger people. And if you think about it, you know, think about going to a restaurant and think about what the child menu looks like. It's chicken fingers, it's hot dogs, it's french fries, 
I mean, like this is like just I mean, some of just the worst stuff possible, and it's all it's all deep fried in a fryer later with all sorts of crazy fatty acids that we can't identify in in the fryer later. Um, so, you know, this is what we're feeding our children, and of course, you know, my poor children were tortured because I actually fed them, you know, a whole different diet, and you know, I was the you know supposed evil parent in town, but you know, actually, my kids were well, especially my younger one, he was he was great about those things. So. Um, you know, it, it's harder work to do that, um, you know, and, and cooking's a hassle. I mean, let's be honest. You know, you can drive through a fast food place and for $20 feed a family of four and you don't have to cook, you don't have to clean, you don't have to do anything. And, you know, 40% of all American meals are eaten in the car because we're constantly, mom and dad are working one job, maybe sometimes two jobs, and if they're not working, they're shuttling kids around from this event to that event to this sport to the other thing. And so, you know, by the very nature of how we live our lives in this country, it doesn't really allow for a lot of free time and a lot of home cooking and, and, you know, cooking from scratch and so forth. Uh, So it does require an effort. And so some of the most helpful things you can eat are again, vegetables, you know, wide variety of vegetables, uh, fruits, Um, you know, the meats is, is, you know, I'm not advocating we become vegans, but we should probably, you know, significantly modify our intake of, for example, red meat, um, and, and maybe eggs as well. But again, eggs are generally speaking healthy, but again, we don't want to eat too many of these things. You know, chicken breast, uh, you know, especially wild fish would be more healthy. Uh, and then just, you know, the portions of the animal proteins and fats maybe be a little bit reduced on average and have more, you know, vegetables in there. Nuts and seeds are very health, healthy. Um, extra virgin olive oil is very, very healthy. And, and if, when you use that, you always want to cook at lower temperatures so you don't um, burn your foods, that creates a whole other set of issues. And you don't want to burn your oils, that creates a set of issues as well. Um, so, you know, and, and then your grains, you know, whether it's oatmeal, you know, the kind of not your instant oatmeal, but your more longer lasting oatmeal there. Again, healthy. Your whole grains, you know, if someone doesn't have a problem with gluten, um, you know, these whole grain breads can be perfectly healthy. They could have 10, 12, 15 different grains in there. Um, and again, that's, that's wonderful food, typically in the form of the Arabinose Islands I mentioned earlier. Uh, for some, for many, many healthy bugs in the gut. So, you know, that's, and, and the things you want to avoid typically are cow dairy products, particularly, you know, your, your mass stuff, uh, your pasteurized stuff and so forth. Um, gluten, if you have an issue, I find a lot of people with gut issues have issues with corn. Um, soy is not the, not the most amazing thing ever, unless it's, you know, made properly through fermentation. Um, you want to avoid trans fats. Uh, you want to avoid simple sugars. Um, and you want to avoid preservatives, uh, artificial sweeteners you want to avoid. And then, you know, alcohol is, is typically, you know, it's, it's really not a wonderful thing for the gut. But, um, you know, we, we have to pick and choose the things we can, we can live and live without. Yes. Well, you've given us a good rundown, and uh, we look forward to the final segment because you've got more information to share. And, folks, if you've just tuned in, you're with the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, having this conversation with Guy Daniels, Director of Medical Education of Longevity Health. So we'll carry on the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Solgar Number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar Number no. 7 says yes. Solgar Number no. 7. Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Multivitamins. That's right, certified organic. Made with the highest quality standards. Uncooked, untreated, unadulterated. Non-GMO certified, vegan, and gluten-free. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics. Now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBalarti from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProBalarti provides ID-certified probiotic strains suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProBalarti is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Magnesium is needed for more than 30 chemical activations from metabolizing food for energy to muscle contraction. Although it plays a massive role in the body, it's also one of the most common nutrient deficiencies. Pure Encapsulations Magnesium Glycinate offers a highly absorbable and gentle form of this important nutrient free from artificial ingredients, gluten, and GMOs. This product Product is available at Village Green Apothecary or online at myvillagegreen.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorn Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorn's vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. Welcome back, listeners, to today's final segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, and we're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary, at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I do want to remind you that Village Green is your resource for questions about your health via the website and the store on Cedar Lane. They have expert advice on supplements and diet. They carry superior supplements from many manufacturers, including their own Pathway products. Now, we've been having this very interesting discussion with Guy Daniels, and we've been talking about the gut microbiome and its effect on so many systems, not just our gut, and immunity is one of the most important effects. But we've talked about the gut, neurotransmitters, uh, digestive problems, autoimmunity. So, Guy, do you want to sort of summarize that? And talk to us about products and what people should look for in the probiotic and prebiotic products that they purchase. 
sure. So, you know, again, like you just accurately said, um, the microbiome does not just affect the gut. Uh, it affects the entire body. Um, for example, you know, I, I read literally thousands of papers, and I just read one the other day where, you know, parts of bacteria are found in the plaque in Alzheimer's. In the brain. This is in the brain. So uh, the effects are, are systemic. And, um, you know, what happens in the gut is you have these bad bugs, and when they do bad things, they basically kind of create these, these holes, uh, what's called, you know, gut permeability. Uh, and it allows whole bacteria and parts of bacteria to escape into the, into the rest of the body. And so just on the other side of that, that lining of the gut, which is really only one, one layer, one cellular layer thick, uh, we have this massive immune system. And so when they see these things, you know, it basically sets off alarms and it causes this inflammatory response. And so, you know, the same set of circumstances for one person might result in, you know, depression, whereas this gut permeability in someone else might result in, say, some type of autoimmune condition, uh, whereas for someone else it might result in, say, you know, contributing to dementia. And so it's, it's a series of, you know, luck and genes um, and, you know, other events that, you know, lead one person in one direction or in the other. And, of course, we can have multiple things, too. We can have someone who has, you know, a bad microbiome, which, which contributes to obesity, metabolic syndrome, and depression, as well as having gut problems like, say, maybe constipation. So, uh, you know, someone can suffer from a multitude of these things. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, regardless of what your concerns are, maybe you have a familial history of something, or what your current conditions are, um, the odds are exceptionally high that, you know, if you had a healthy microbiome, uh, that can go a long way uh, into alleviating things. It certainly can. Um, and I'm glad that you're emphasizing this breadth of symptoms that occur. So many people don't realize that in their family, there might be depression, autoimmunity, and the metabolic problems, then they're related they all have gut problems, but they, they express it differently. Their weak spots are different. And this also, I think, is the conundrum for medicine because if you go in with gut symptoms, that's all that's going to be examined, uh, just the symptoms and how you can stop those symptoms. We still are largely not looking at diet, the importance of diet, not just for the gut, but for the brain, the gut and the brain. And we talk about the, the gut-brain connection. I think that's very interesting, and I know you know a lot about that. Um, so walk us through what happens at Longevity as far as testing and how people benefit and something about the uh, types of probiotics. Sure. So you know, if you feel that you want to have a microbiome analysis done, uh, that you know, it, it could provide some value to your health, um, just simply go to longevity.com, and there you can order up a kit. It'll be delivered to your home. Um, there's also educational materials. If you go to the uh, Learn tab, then that brings you to the Journal tab. Uh, there's a number of webinars on there that I've done, as well as other written pieces from other contributors of the company. And so you can have you have education there as well. And so let's just say you go on there, you look at some education, you say, okay, um, you know, I want to have precision care for my gut. I don't want. I've, I've been trying things for years. I've been seeing doctors for years, 
and no one's helped me out. And to be honest, that's our average consumer, right? We have, and frankly, that's the average patient in the natural medicine slash integrative functional medicine space where they've been to see 10 or 12 other doctors and to no avail. And uh, they come into that particular space and they go, okay, well, you know, let's, let's try a whole new approach to things. And so that's what this is. Instead of, you know, this throw something against the wall and see what sixth approach is trial and error approach. We're doing more precision here. And you're going to get a report back from us, uh, which, you know, in its current form provides a lot of information. And we're working on version 2.0 to be ready shortly as well, which will provide even more information. Uh, and you'll get a specific regimen recommended to you of, you know, what you need to do to treat your gut. And then, you know, what things to look out for, various symptoms to be concerned about, and just different aspects of you know, things can go in different directions once you begin the regimen. And there's also a small dietary recommendation component as well. And so what those things look like are, you know, again, the big driver, as I said before, are prebiotics. Uh, and we recommend, we can recommend a number of them. And typically we'll recommend three to four because we do want diversity in prebiotics because diversity in prebiotics means diversity in the overall gut microbiome. And so that could be things that Thorne carries. Thorne has a couple amazing products. One's called FiberMend, uh, which is high in partially hydrolyzed guar gum, which is a, a wonderful prebiotic. Um, it also has a product called Arabinex, which is large arabinogalactins, which is also an absolutely fantastic prebiotic. Uh, but then there are products that Thorne does not carry, that other companies carry. And then there are ingredients that um, really no company, quote-unquote, makes as a prebiotic. They just... They exist in the marketplace, and they are prebiotics, something like unmodified potato starch uh, and something like, you know, the, the rice brand I mentioned earlier. So it depends on what your, what your analysis looks like, and then that would drive the recommendations in, along with, like I said, the questionnaire I mentioned previously. And so other components that are not prebiotics could be something like, for example, tryptophan, and you were just talking about the blood-brain, uh, the, the brain-gut uh, connection, which is, you know, widely, widely recognized as a fact. Uh, in fact, there's far more serotonin in and around the gut than there is in the brain. Uh, and tryptophan is what ultimately leads to serotonin production. And if we had more time, I can go into all of that. But, um, you know, there's things like tryptophan we'd recommend. If you have SIBO, there's other products we'd put on, tack onto that list. And so, again, it becomes a very, you know, personalized, precise set of recommendations for you, um, you know, with, you know, kind of built in what to expect thrown in there as well. Yes, it's fascinating. I like the pre precision part of it. Um, do you have any um, suggestions or any opinions on long-term water fasting only and its impact on the microbiome? Um, I have to say I'm not familiar with long-term water fasting. I, I assume it's probably some type of interval of you know, fasting diet. So I will say that... Um, I am somewhat familiar with that data. So there's a lot of diets out there. You know, you, you have that, you have FODMAPs, so the list goes on. Um, yes. So with that particular case, uh, the intermittent fasting, that actually has shown uh, in a number of times to be highly beneficial. So, and another lecture I've given in the past is on sirtuins and that whole, all those pathways and NAD and so forth. Yes. Um, and fasting, fasting is actually rather quite healthy for the body. Um, and in fact, you know, we don't want, at the very least from dinner to breakfast, we want you to go, yes. you know, at least 12 hours without eating something. So, um, so yeah, there's, you know, whatever, I'm not sure precisely what they're talking about. I assume it's just intermittent fasting with a bunch of water thrown in it to, to, you know, 
quiet down your your hunger. That sounds. Um, and with that setup. Yeah, that's reasonable, and I think it's responsible. And a lot of people have done this for long periods of time. Um, I just was concerned about fasting for as long as two weeks to four weeks. And uh, is that is that how long they go? Like this is there is. um, uh, We interviewed a doctor who talked about medical water fasting. Uh, up to 40 days. And my, I had a lot of concerns about what that does to the system. Um, very in, in agreement wholeheartedly with intermittent fasting. And it's easy for people to do, as you mentioned, don't eat as, after dinner and wait till mid-morning and you've got your 12-hour fast. Uh, very easy to do and you feel better. So I was just uh, just asking if you might even have information on that. But I agree with you on the intermittent fasting. I think it's beneficial. And I want to tell you how much we appreciate uh, what you have shared. Do you have one more tidbit for our listeners, Guy? Sure. So I'll give you something that um, seems to resonate with people. So... Um, I usually don't cite animal data, but I will. this one in particular probably hits home. Um, there are multiple, multiple studies out there uh, taking the microbiome from humans and transferring it to animals, typically a rodent model. And so whether the human has dementia or autism or depression or obesity or something else, when they take that diseased microbiome and transplant it into the animal model, invariably the animals develop that very same condition. And so I think that alone tells you the absolute power of the microbiome uh, and the role it plays in our overall health systemically. Well, that's thank you for leaving that piece of information. It, it is powerful. And I'm, I think we learned a lot, and I appreciate your science, your precision in presenting it, and lots of good information how can people get in touch with you? Is it longevity.com? Uh, exactly. They just go to longevity.com, uh, and there's a section there if they have any questions. And like I said, there's education there as well. Okay. Um, and, you know, they're welcome to, to order up a kit and ask any questions after they get the quit kit. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I want to thank you, listeners, for joining us. Every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment giving us many opportunities to make health-enhancing choices. And please remember, it's not the number of breaths you take. It's the moments that take your breath away. This is Dana Lake in Village Green, wishing each and every one of you good health and a breathtaking day. Did you know at Village Green Apothecary, we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle today and every day. At Village Green, we care about our customers. We've been providing the best nutrition and healthy living products for over 50 years. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5450. 15 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.